Today on the show, we're talking about celebration. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with my co-host Trevor, and today we're dedicating this episode to talking about celebration. And celebration, obviously this is a holiday time of year, a lot of people are celebrating, but I'm going to put a different kind of spin on celebration The funny thing with celebration is we tend to celebrate our past. We celebrate our accomplishments, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would like to introduce the concept of celebrating our futures and celebrating our futures by celebrating the concept of hope. I absolutely love that. And like you said, this is the perfect time to talk about specifically the future with 2020 right on the horizon. So I recently had my mind changed about hope. So I used to think hope was this fleeting emotion that my hope was different than your hope and and hope was this thing that would come and go and you couldn't really count on it. But I read a book recently and this is going to be added to the book list. The author's Mark Manson and, and you might be familiar with his first book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. You, you could imagine what that means. And that's a, a very... So Mark Manson is an author. He is informative, entertaining, and very entertaining, and inspirational. Those are the three things I look for in a nonfiction book. And he hits a home run on all three. So his second book is Everything's Effed, a book about hope. And this is where I've got my new mindset about hope. And I highly recommend you read both of his books you don't have to read one in order for the other. I enjoyed both of them equally. Again, they are super entertaining. And so here's how I actually consumed both of his books. And I'll just give a little primer on how I, how I consume books. So whenever, I'm, they, whenever I want to consume a nonfiction book, I will consume it through audio first. So I, I read the, I listened to the audio book of both books and that is a first blush. So if, if I really in, enjoy the book and I think there's a lot there to get, I will. I read the ebook. So I have a Kindle. So I got. I bought the ebook and read it. And if I really got even more out of it reading it, so I listen to it, then I read it, then I will buy the physical book and I will use it as a reference tool. I will highlight, make notes, and put it on my bookshelf, and it becomes a reference tool because it, it's really hard to reference an ebook. It, you you can highlight in them, but they're really, I find them hard to navigate. So that's how I consume books. And I consume both his books in this manner. And they are, again, informative, entertaining. I can't emphasize how entertaining they were. And inspirational. You don't get that in a self-help book very often. I, I'm going to I'm gonna walk away from this podcast right now and go and go listen to that. That sounds incredible and inspiring. And uh, before you go on and kind of tell us more about this book. Actually, I, I just want to say he narrates the second book. Oh, that's so, so Everything's F, A Book About Hope. And I, you have a theory about so, that, Trevor. Tell us about your yeah, theory about I have a theory. that. So with a fiction book, I prefer a professional narrator if I'm going to consume it through audio. I prefer uh, the, the narrators tend to be actors and people who just can make different voices and they really move the story along well. But in a nonfiction book, I love it when the author narrates it because they they narrate it with with passion in all the right places because they wrote it. They they knew what they were thinking when they wrote it. And they so Mark Manson, he 
he makes it super entertaining. I wish he would have narrated the first one. He didn't. It still didn't spoil it for me. But after I heard him narrate his second book, it, it was just fabulous. And if you like listening to podcasts, and obviously you do, that being the listener, audio is a great way to consume information. So I, I want to go back to the concept of hope. And you said that after reading this book and listening to this book, that your idea of what hope is drastically changed. So before you go on to tell us about this book and about how you now view hope, how did you view that concept before? When What, what did that word mean to you? Well, I, I used to think hope was, to start with, I thought it was about me, right? And it was about, I would hope for good things to happen to me, right? That that was my definition of hope. I, I would hope things were going to work out. That was what I thought hope was. And I don't even, after hearing Mark Manson's definition of a hope, I, I don't know what you would call that emotion. I, it's it's just wishing, I guess. It's hope hope is really doesn't fit that criteria for me anymore. So uh, go on, uh, and I, I'm curious let, to hear about this book. You, okay, so Mark Manson, he we're going to talk about this. I might as well say now. So Mark Manson describes hope as the intersection of these three things. So control cause and community and when you have these three things working in harmony you can't help but have hope and so an example of where hope goes to die (laughs) i'm going to give you the this is the best way to spin it so think of where you work just say you work for a corporation I, i do so this is this is where i get this from so if you just say you have a bunch of debt, like you have a mortgage and consumer debt, you f- you're compelled to go to work. You you don't feel you have any control, and control shows up in your life in the typically in the form of choice. So if you are in debt of any any kind, I mean, if, if you're going to buy a house, chances are you have a mortgage. If you have a car loan, if you have any consumer debt, you you are compelled to go earn income that is on you you that's not a choice you can make you, you that choice was made when you took on the debt so now you've had this 25 year mortgage it should be 15 but let's just say it's 25 you're compelled to go to work for the next 25 years so you have taken choice off the table so you you no longer have choice so in my mind you've given up control of a large piece of your every day, right? A big chunk of your life. Control has been given over to your employer. Cause. So now I don't really believe in the cause of the corporation I work for. I like to often say a corporation is a legal entity, right? You've heard that term before. Well, a corporation has a psychological profile of a serial killer. It really does. Wow. <laughs> it, 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 they are they the corporation as a as an entity doesn't really care about feelings or people they they're all about income generating income right that that's what they they exist for that the whole purpose so the cause of the corporation you work for is probably not something you believe in you believe in the paycheck you're getting but you don't believe in the cause of the corporation so you can see how hope is starting to to fade here right you have zero control, you don't believe in the cause, and then the community. So in a lot, now where I work, I I actually have a pretty good community of people I work with, but I know in a lot of corporations, this is is the mindset, and I've said this on the podcast before, 
in a lot of corporate environments, there's a, a whole bunch of people who are trying to climb the corporate ladder. And your coworker, your, your, the person who's at the same organizational level as you, who's sitting beside you, they want you to fail as much as possible. Two things happen. That coworker looks better than you and they leapfrog you in terms of getting that next promotion. So that's not a community of people supporting each other, right? That, that, that isn't really uh, a sense of community. So if you work in a corporate environment, I got to think there's not a lot of hope in the definition I've given you in your, in your world. I know there now, so I'm working, uh, I, I feel I have a lot of control in my life. I have no debt. I'm working to, to sort of have a comfortable retirement. That, that's the purpose of my work. So I am somewhat compelled to go to work, but not as much as when I had a mortgage. So that, that I have that, that sense of control in my life. I still don't believe in the cause. And when you think of the cause, you have to believe, it has to go beyond your contribution. So if you really believe in the cause of an organization, just say it was Habitat for, Habitat for Humanity. They build houses for people who, who are not so well off and, and, and have no chance of ever owning a home. So if you believe in Habitat for Humanity, your con- you have to believe in the cause beyond your contribution. So let's just say I was a uh, an accountant for Habitat for Humanity. Well, I, whether, I'm do, whether I'm doing accounting for Habitat for Humanity or I'm doing accounting for some mindless corporation, it, it really is the same kind of work. But because I'm doing it for an organization, I believe in what they're doing, I, I would feel more connected to that cause and more... Um, I would have a greater sense of hope of what I'm doing is, is leading to something good. So I, I love that. I love that very applicable definition that it really can apply to the various faucets of your life, whether it's work or what are some other examples where this could be applied? Could it be applied in the relationships you have in your life? Could it be applied in the hobbies that you pursue in your spare time? Well, here's one where if you've ever, anybody who has children and you've raised a family, you believe, when you have children and you're you're raising them from infants up to becoming an empty nester, there's a lot of hope in, in that whole process. I mean, you have a lot of control as a parent because you, you make all the rules and you're going to shape and mold your child into the person you really want them to be. So there's a huge sense of control. And then the cause, of course, you're you're responsible for this living, breathing infant and all of its knowledge that it gets and its personality. You you that's a cause you believe in because, like it or not, you're going to be judged on the end product as as a parent. And it, that might not be your motivation, but you you don't know it at the time. But when you're all done, that you you want to feel good about what you created, that person you created. So the cause is huge. And the community, well, you're, you're working, hopefully you, you've got a whole family working together toward that goal. Like you've heard it takes a, a village to raise a child. Well, you, you've got a community of people that are interested in providing programs for children. You've got grandparents and aunts and uncles. They all participate in the, the raising your child. You might not think so, but they all have play play a role in it. So it's that, that sense of community is definitely there. So that's an example where I think there's a lot of hope for people. Now, if you are a, I know people who have homeschooled their children 
And they've done that because they were not happy with the control aspect of their child going off to a school and learning things that maybe they didn't believe in or the environment wasn't condu- conducive to learning. So th- I know people who, who didn't like the the limited control they had over the school system that they homeschooled. So that that's a way, way you can exercise more control to deliver more hope. Now, it's the funny thing with this these three things, so control, cause, and community, you can't have two out of three. Because I've thought about this in different scenarios and having two out of the three, you don't have hope. You hope hope dies if one of these is not present. And that was my next question for you is, is that it's, it's so in your opinion, given that you have to have all three, do you believe then that it's a rarity in maybe your professional life if we zero in on that to have all three? Is it is that maybe why we have a lot of individuals who are unsatisfied in in their their professional career. Oh, absolutely. I think if you ever see anybody who's an entrepreneur, you know, they run their own business and it looks like a lot of work. It looks like a huge effort. If you've ever seen anybody who who runs a store or has their own business, they are run off their feet and they look like I've never seen an entrepreneur who doesn't look just worn out. But, I, and I always wonder what keeps them going. In the town I live in, there's this couple that started this uh, um, European-style produce market. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a very small European-style grocery store. And these, these, this couple, they work like nonstop. I mean, I've never gone in there and not seen them. So I, I got to assume they work 12-hour days, seven days a week. But they are so enthusiastic. They are so upbeat. And you would think, and they've been doing this for over a year, you would think they'd, they'd be worn out with that kind of grind. But I think their scenario, in it has a lot of hope associated with it. So they're, they're very motivated. But if you think, just say you had, you believed in the cause where you work and the community was just solid, right? Just say that, the people you work with, everyone was just helping everyone, right? It was, so the cause is good. You got the community, but you are in a mountain of debt and you are compelled to go to work. You know, it's not a choice you can make. You're, you are like on the edge of bankruptcy. Do you think there's, you, you would still have a lot of hope in that scenario? No, because like you said earlier, your control is completely gone. You're you're a victim to, or you're held there by that debt that you have in your life. And I think you're at the, just say the corporation you work for, you believed in their cause and then all of a sudden they went in a, diff, a different direction and you didn't believe in the cause, but you don't have any control. You have to go to work every day. Your hope would vanish overnight. So I, I just, I, and I, so I want to make a, just a thing here. So I believe in in the pursuit of hope. And I say that in that I do not believe in the pursuit of happiness. And Mark Manson in his book, he, he makes a very interesting point, and I've heard this from other people, but the pursuit of happiness is paradoxically, it, it, it would suggest you're in an unhappy place at the moment if you're pursuing happiness. And this happiness, it tends to be in our minds, a destination. And, and it's that destination is always on the horizon. It's, you never actually get to the happy place. Whereas the pursuit of hope, in it, 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 by its definition, is a journey. 
Hope is not a destination. Hope, would you agree? Like, does hope sound like a destination to you? No, not at all. No, not so at hope, all. hope is a journey. So you're never going to be disappointed that you never, it, you're always chasing that horizon of happiness, right? So the pursuit of hope is, I think, uh, the key to a very positive mindset. That's so good. And I, I, I love that because it almost makes your your journey, whatever, whatever that may be, whatever that may look like, pretend it's your professional journey. It also, approaching it from the angle of hope almost assumes that you are in this growth mindset at all times and that you are constantly growing and constantly seeking to bring more of these elements of hope into your into your life. And, you know, hope is something that, it's not something that happens to you. It's it's something you embrace. So in celebrating hope, it's it's a concept you embrace. It's not it's not like you're waiting for hope to happen to you. You it, you become part of it. I, I don't. I, I maybe I'm sounding too philosophical, but no, no, I uh, love that. And I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna stop you there. And I I want to dive in back into the intersection then with that thought in mind that it ha- it's not then something that happens to you, but it's something that you embrace. So. I mean, everyone listening to this, I'm sure you're kind of assessing maybe your current, I'm, I'm going to go back to career because that's kind of where this always leads back to in my mind at least. But we all, like, I think we can be lying to ourselves and maybe think that we actually feel like we're working for a cause we believe in. But if we actually boil it down and really think on it, we might not be. So when you say embrace, does that mean that you can change your perspective on your current, I'm going to say job or, or career situation and find hope, refine hope if you have lost hope simply by changing your perspective. Does it work that way? I don't think so. I, you can't, like, so the company I work for, I can't all of a sudden believe in their cause. They, you know, a, a big corporation will close a factory because it's unprofitable and put a whole bunch of people out of work and they'll do it just before Christmas. You know that that's a cause I, I can't believe in ever, right? And and if the if the corporation you work for has ever done that, ever, then the the chance of them doing it again is 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 pretty possible, right? It's so I I think you have to believe in the in the cause, it, even if you're it has to be your contribution. You're, it has to go beyond your contribution when you're when you're when you're assessing the cause and whether you believe in it. It can't be just your part in it. You know, you just say you're the janitor and you're you're mopping the floors and you believe in clean floors. That's not enough. You're you're cleaning the floors of a corporation that that doesn't value people. They value money and and. I get that you have to be profitable to keep people employed. I, I get that. But it, it just, it, it's a hope killer. It really is. So I, I absolutely love, love this idea. I, I, it's, it's, it feels inspiring. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone listening to this are waving their hands in the air, feeling inspired as well. And I, I might be skipping too far ahead in the show by asking this, but if we are not feeling hope, if we are not experiencing hope in, in aspects of our lives, in our lives, what happens to us? And 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 how does that? How how do you believe that really affects 
our overall well-being. Not that we're a philosophical podcast by any means, but how, or even how has your shift in understanding hope changed your level of understanding about what brings you hope? Well, here's an example. So this is a personal finance podcast. So let's just talk about your your personal finances. So just just say you feel you have a hopeless situation. Your your personal finances are a disaster. You, bill collectors are calling you. You 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 have more bills than you do money. Like you, the math just is not working from any angle. So if if you are in a hopeless situation, I think you start by having a you know we talk about having a big why so let's just say you're you're a family of four you the husband and wife and two children well your why should be your you know providing a comfortable life for your family and this becomes your cause so this is a cause you can get behind so you got to clean up your personal finance mess and the hope is going to start with you you believe in the cause meaning this is this is for somebody this is for somebody more than just me. I, I want this to be better for my whole family. I, I want to create a legacy that my 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 children will carry forward. So they won't. If I don't change anything, the legacy my children are going to get from personal finance is they'll be financial disasters just like I am. So the cause it can be that big, right? It's it's not just creating a comfortable life; it was creating a legacy. So there's the cause. You want to get control in your personal finance life. It, it starts with selling off the, you know, just say your monthly payment to death. You've got a truck payment, you've got a car, a boat payment, you've got an RV payment, you've got a mortgage payment, you've got a home equity line of credit payment, you, you're, you're paying off home, home improvements. Like get those, get those payments out of your life, scale back your life the, the, to gain some control back. And the community is, you're not in this alone, right? You, if you if it's just you and just say your life partner's not on board, you're gonna feel it's gonna feel hopeless, right? If you're doing all these things to save money and your life partner's spending it just as fast, that's demoralizing, right? The the hope disappears in a hurry. So you really have to have a community of people supporting you to do this. So it, it that's an example how you could take a hopeless personal finance situation and spin it into a hopeful situation. I love that because it reminds me, I feel, how in the situations, the focus is sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like the focus sometimes turns primarily to the control. And you you hear that all the time. Oh, I, I don't have control over my income. That, that's, that's a common one. I don't have control over... Um, X, Y, or Z because it's a it's a fixed term. It's whatever you want to say. That's the one we focus on, and and we think once we get control of that, we'll we'll maybe feel that happiness, which we now ho- know is actually hope. But behind that curtain, there's two other things that have to be satisfied, and I think it's a really key piece. So so Trevor, if you're in your example, if if that family of four can get all three of those, are you saying that that mind shift that shift will take place? And and that that family will experience hope. Oh, absolutely. But but if you're just working one angle, like if you're just working on the control aspect, I think you'll run out of steam and you'll 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 get discouraged in a hurry. So we focus a lot on developing hope in your job and work. And actually, you know what? I I want to I want to dive more into that because 
I don't know. I just, that, that resonates. And I, I feel like it's resonating with a lot of people who are, are listening right now. I mean, Trevor, you have spent a lot of your career working for that corporation that maybe you don't believe in the cause in, but if, if I'm listening to this right now and, and I'm in the same shoes as you, what advice would you maybe give to your younger self or give to that listener who is hoping to find hope in and in, in what they earn money at? And again, personal finance podcast, our job is such an important piece to to making that all work. So at the end of the day, you got you have to earn a living, right? And, and you can't, not everyone can go work for the nonprofit organization that's saving people. Uh, building schools in in um africa right you, you, not everybody's got that choice right that even if you did and it, if it didn't deliver the income you need to support your life so most of us do work for organizations we don't believe in the cause but you that doesn't have to be your your life sentence you, you, so i have raised a family and i've sort of put hope aside and worked for the big corporation to create a comfortable life for my family. And now my, I'm an empty nester and I'm, I'm ready to move on from that and, and move into a, a place of hope. So, but if you think of, so there's this expression, people come in and of your life for three different reasons. And think about your, your sort of your work type of environment in this way. So people come into your life for three reasons. So they come in for a, a reason a season or a lifetime. So if you think of the pursuit of hope in that way, like if if you're not pursuing hope, it's for a specific reason, right? So if, if you're working in a it feels hopeless, but you know you're 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 doing this with a purpose and and hopefully a timeline, it won't be as demoralizing. And if you're doing it for a a that you know this I'm doing air quotes a season, you're doing it for the time you're raising your family then it's not forever. It's just while well, you're doing that, and hopefully your your pers- your pursuit of 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 hope in in terms of your job and your work is is more of a lifetime pursuit. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm it's a, it's a spin that kind of resonates with me. No, I I love that. It, it does resonate because not that we can fake control per se, but when you tie in that the reason season or lifetime analogy, it really that cause that cause makes it worthwhile. You know what? Like I'm doing, I'm in this job for a season. I know it's not forever, but the cause is so strong. So it, you said earlier that you really have to have all three, but maybe if you believe in the season so deeply enough and you believe in the cause enough so deeply that maybe you can superficially, make it all worth it again and I know I know by any means you won't feel hope but that that could be the the bridge between the two you know I can honestly say that I clearly have control at this point in my life I I have reached a a, a point of, of personal finance plateau where I I have complete control if I walked away from a job tomorrow I, I probably would be okay but I, oddly enough it's it's my job is still terribly unsatisfying like beyond like i thought once i reached this plateau it would be okay but this turns out this is the hardest money i've ever earned is is that when you don't desperately need it because you you kind of you, the bar gets raised you're once you have control but you still don't believe in the cause 
and you don't really have the community around you, it's still very unsatisfying work. It kind of maybe speaks to the volume at which you're caring for your children and, and supporting them was maybe a stronger cause than, than anything else. Well, and here's a good example with that one. So when my kids were younger, I would take them to music lessons and I would drive through snowstorms and I would, I, I would do whatever it took to make sure they got to the music lessons. Like I, I would, they weren't missing music lessons for anything. And it wasn't the cost. I just wanted them to get cultured in music. And that was super important. In fact, I remember I took piano lessons, uh, father-daughter piano lessons with my daughter. It was so important that, that, that she gets the exposure to music. And then when I became an empty nester, I joined an orchestra. And it was sort of a, like a, a, a starter orchestra. It's not like an orchestra. It's just a bunch of people coming together, learning to play instruments. And I remember sitting there, and I, was, I joined it for a couple of years, and I learned how to read music, and I, I got pretty proficient at my instrument. And I remember sitting at, we were playing uh, a retirement home, one of our gigs, if you want to call it that. And I remember sitting there saying to myself, what are we doing here? <laughs> like nobody, the, the people watching us are, are only watching us because they have to. And we're here hoping somebody wants to actually hear what we're playing What's the purpose? Like I, I couldn't get behind the cause of this orchestra. It was just filling in time. Like we weren't going to become uh, uh, orchestra musicians in, in a professional sense, and nobody was going to pay to watch us play. Like we were literally, this was just a hobby. And I really struggled to enjoy it because there seemed to be no cause behind it, right? There was a community there. We all worked together and helped each other learn our instruments. And I chose to go, so I mean, I had control in the form of choice, but I couldn't, the, the cause just didn't, wasn't there, but when my kids were in music, holy smokes, I mean, that was the most important thing on earth, and and I, I could get behind that, and of course, I had control, and the community was obviously there, so it, that's an example where all three weren't present, and I just couldn't get behind it. So I have a question for you from all of that. Do you think if there is massive amounts of hope in one aspect of your life, and I'm going to throw family, pretend there's so much hope with your family, because generally there there probably is. Do you think all of that hope, just that gleaming hope, it really contrasts so blatantly against other aspects of your life where you don't experience hope at, at any degree? Oh, 100%. I mean, you, you get around like-minded people and they're energizing, right? They're so energizing. That community of your family, and they all think and talk about the same things, and, and and you deeply care about each other. And then you go to the corporation, and you work for them, and it it's it's you're you're anything but like minded people, and you're you're actually hoping each other fail in a lot of cases. That 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 could just one makes the other look so horrible. And the horrible one makes your your family look so fabulous that you probably got an uh, altered reality in both cases. So I'm just sitting here wondering how how deeply that is resonating with everyone listening because it's it, it's it is sometimes a reality. And do you think then that that feeling of hope? So if you can experience hope in one aspect of your life, and maybe in your family sense, maybe that's where you experience hope. Do you think? just being able to experience it in one aspect of your life 
B family, I'm going to use that example, will therefore then inspire you to seek hope in maybe your career or job sense. Do you think that, do you think hope can kind of trampling off to another aspect of your life? Well, to your point, what I'm trying to do here is is to is for the listener to identify situations in life where hope exists and isolate it and identify it and and embrace it and see what it feels like and then try to translate that into other aspects of life. Let's just say you are just a train wreck with your personal finances, but you are you know a triathlete, super fit, go to the gym, run marathons. You are uh, the the picture of health. You eat the perfect diet and you you belong to a some sort of sporting team so your fitness world is just dialed in and you you have nothing but hope about your 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 body and your well-being from that aspect if you can isolate that and and understand how great that is you know put it in a cube and, and just admire it and say i need this in other aspects of my life then like a lot of people they don't they don't sort of isolate aspects of their life and, and analyze it like that but if you do and you realize that if some aspect of your life is just you're just hitting a home run every single day figure out what's going on there and translate it into some other aspect of your life work is going to be the hardest one because we, we need to earn an income but it may be not for your whole 30-year working career I I love that so much because there's always that theory that we want to pursue in our work career, professional career, whatever we find pleasure in as a hobby or in our more relaxation mode that we get into. But really, we're just seeking the feelings that we feel. So we're seeking that hope that we feel, those those warm, fuzzy feelings when we're spending time with the people we care about. And with that community, when we're basically the three pillars, the intersection of the three things you're talking about, Trevor, like we are, I think, just seeking that in our career sense. We're not actually seeking to become a personal trainer if, if we're really fit or nutritionist. Maybe we're not actually seeking to make money from those things. We're just seeking to feel those same things, but be paid for it. That would be the perfect scenario, right? That that that's the ideal. But you know, a lot of times you, once you start getting paid for something, you actually give up control, and and then all of a sudden the the, the it's not as is not as a hopeful situation as it once was. Yeah, no, that's super fair. So Trevor, we've spent a lot of time kind of just talking about um, family and and job, but what are other aspects of our life where hope can be cultivated, developed, and really worked on? I think you should always be in the pursuit of knowledge. And I'm not saying working on your weaknesses. You could be working on your strengths, but you should be pursuing to better yourself. You should always, you should want to be better tomorrow than you were today in some aspect. I, I, I strive to improve myself in some way a little bit every day. Fitness, uh, I like to read, I like to foster the relationships in my life and, and engage with those and be responsible with personal finances. I, I think I, I call it life optimization. There's always some actual aspect of your life that could be improved. But I think chasing happiness, I used, I've read books on happiness. I got caught up in the whole happiness genre thing where in those books, they just go in circles. 
actually, if the listeners have read a book on happiness that really resonated with them, please let us know because I'd be interested in reading it because I, I have read a bunch and none of them, they all, none of them resonated with me at all. But this one about hope, this one really, really hit, hit home, hit hard. Like I, I, I read this book, I consumed it three times. So that's, that's how powerful it was for me. So I, I think my final question for you for this episode, as we head into 2020, I mean, you have a big year ahead of you with the approaching of your retirement and with just a lot of shift, shifting things that are going to be happening to you personally. So how, with those changes, what does celebrating hope look like for you in, in all kind of the things that are changing and, and how are you, how are you hoping to kind of seek out hope as those things evolve? Well, I'm at a crossroads because I'm really looking and searching for a cause I believe. And the problem is I am so, when you're working and you're bogged down with work, you you end up having these artificial blinders on. And I, I believe when I finally pull the plug on work, I will see the world and I'll see opportunities that that are right in front of me that I'm blind to today. So I, I'm my hope, my hope picture. I, I'm I'm waiting until I'm I'm doing air quotes retired from um, earning an income. I still want to be productive in my community, and I want to pursue uh, something where I have complete control. I believe in the cause, and I embrace the community. No, and I I, I could not agree more with that approach. I think my final question for anyone listening to this too, before we end, I, so I'm very seriously curious about career opportunities, career paths that you listening to this today have pursued that bring you hope, that you feel controlling, that you believe in the cause and that you enjoy the community surrounded by. I'm, I'm personally so, so interested to hear about opportunities that you are currently pursuing that bring you these three. So that does bring us to the end of today's episode on celebration where we talked about celebrating hope and all the things that come along with that. This is the last show before 2020 as we're taking a quick break for the holiday season. We hope that you and your loved ones and family and friends have an incredible and safe holiday season. And we, we are so excited to be back in 2020 with a brand new slew of episodes and all that 2020 will bring. Thank you again for being here with us. And we cannot wait to see you back here in the new year. Until then, keep it simple.